Bibles, John chapter number 20. John chapter number 20, we'll begin reading verse number 1. And uh, this is a passage of scripture that most often is preached on Easter Sunday. But I think it's very appropriate that we take and preach God's word. And the resurrection is a sermon that can be preached anytime because it is the foundation of our faith. Uh, the Apostle Paul was talking about the resurrection. He said, if Christ be not raised from the dead, then our faith is in vain. And there's no, uh, there's no reason to call yourself a Christian or have a church or preach a message if you disown or disbelieve the resurrection of Christ, his death on the cross, his burial, and three days later, his resurrection of the dead, the Apostle Paul said, you have nothing. And it's true. You see, if Jesus did not rise from the dead like he said he would, you can't put any stock in anything else he said. And so the resurrection is of utmost importance. We come to this passage of Scripture and we see the resurrection of Christ, the account of the resurrection of Christ. And in John's account of the resurrection, he wants us to see some of the changes that the resurrection made in the lives of people that Jesus cared for. We begin our reading here in verse number 1 of chapter 20. The Bible says the first day of the week, Come with Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then come a Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back, and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. 
Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. We're going to look at the whole chapter, but I want you to see with me today three main characters. The first character is Mary. We read her account. You notice over and over again the Bible says she weeps. She's weeping. Why are you weeping? The angels ask, why are you weeping? Jesus asks, why are you weeping? She's weeping. But the resurrected Christ changes things for Miss Mary. We meet the disciples. We just read the verse, verse 19. We meet the disciples hiding behind closed doors together because they're afraid. Jesus speaks to him and says, Peace be unto you. And here in a minute we'll meet Thomas. I must confess he's one of my favorite disciples because he reminds me of me doubting Thomas. You know, doubts are something that we all have to deal with. But I'll have you know something. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And we can trust the Lord. And we watch Jesus deal with doubting Thomas and his doubt turns to faith in light of the resurrection of Christ. Folks, there is hope for all of us because Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. He's not in the tomb. He's not on the cross. He's alive forevermore. And because he lives, we can live also. I'm thankful for the resurrected Christ. Literally. Real. Alive. Resurrected Christ. Let's look at a few things this morning. The resurrection is the title of today's message. The resurrection. How the resurrection changes things. Number one, we're going to talk about Mary. The resurrection in Mary's life turns tears to joy. If you look with me, beginning in verse number 11, the Bible says, Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. What's she doing? She's weeping. Now, no doubt, there was reason in her world, in her life, to weep this moment. Mary was at a spot where the person that she put the most trust in was gone. She was a witness to the fact that he died, that he'd been buried. And now, having spent nearly three days with a broken heart, she goes to the tomb where Jesus was supposed to be laid. And when she gets there, the stone is rolled away and she looks inside the tomb. And inside the tomb, much to her surprise, two angels. And they say, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? Well, it seems obvious to me why she's weeping. It's obvious to me why she's weeping because her hope was gone. She's weeping because her heart was broken. She's weeping because her future is uncertain. She's weeping because the dynamic of her family and friends has been egregiously changed by the wickedness of the Jews, the cowardice of the Romans. Jesus was dead. Her hope had changed. 
I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my short life where my hope has changed. You know, you rest in somebody. I think often of the grandparents the Lord gave me. I think often of the privilege that I had to be around multiple great grandparents. Now, a lot of folks don't even get to meet their grandparents, but I had multiple sets of great grandparents that I got to spend time around and be influenced by, and I praise the Lord for that. I love it. And then I had numerous grandparents that I had the opportunity to love and learn from, and then I married Ruth, and I got to spend time with her grandparents, and they treated me like their own. It's wonderful. As time goes on, one by one, people we've loved and anchored ourselves in, trusted in, rested in, they've gone on and praise the Lord. All of my grandparents have a testimony of knowing Christ by faith as their Savior. And I'll see them someday. They've gone on and each time a little part of your soul leaves and you think, oh man, how am I going to do this? And if we're honest, when we lose someone in our lives that we're trusting and anchor ourselves in, a little bit of fear, sorrow boils up inside. Mary was dealing with that. Her world had changed and all she could do was cry. <laughs> Folks, I want you to know something. God, your loving Father, Jesus Christ, your risen Savior, he cares about your tears. And because Jesus is alive, we can anchor ourselves and trust in the fact that the future is bright. So the angel sitting in the tomb, it almost acts, looks like they ask a dumb question, but they want her to think. Why are you weeping? I'll tell you why I'm weeping. Jesus is dead and they've taken his body. How awful this is. The Bible says in verse number 12, she sees two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. I like that little word had. It's past tense. It ain't there no more. Had lain. I've, in my Bible, I just noticed in my notes this morning, uh, I'd put it sometime past. I, I write in my Bible. Can you tell? Uh, I take notes and make make notes and see things, but I was encouraged this morning when I saw that word had. I've got the word had. I've got it in parenthesis. And then right underneath it, I've got a very simple smiley face right underneath it. Two eyes and a big smiley face. Had. It's gone. Jesus isn't there anymore. And you'll never see, I like the cross. It represents our redemption that Jesus paid, but you'll not find a cross around here that Jesus is still on because he's not there. And you'll not find a representative tomb around here with Jesus in it because he's not there. He was there. Praise God he was there. But he's not there anymore. So the angels say, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? We're in a tomb where he had lain. The Bible says in verse 13, they say unto her woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they've laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was a Jesus. She sees Jesus but doesn't know who it is. Verse 15, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? I can just imagine Mary for just a moment. 
Well, why is everybody asking the dumbest question on the planet? Why are you weeping? Does Jesus ever ask questions because he doesn't know the answer? No, he always asks questions because he wants to teach us something. And so Jesus looks at Mary and says, why are you weeping? And she says, supposing him to be the gardener, she says, sir, if thou hast borne him hence, you've taken him away from here, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. The Bible says in verse 6, I think this is so sweet, Jesus saith unto her, Mary, Mary. As soon as Jesus said her name, she knew exactly who it was. She turned herself and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. I'll tell you a little interesting thing about the Lord. He knows you by name. Aren't you glad of that? He can count the hairs on your head. He knows every intricate detail of you. And he loves you anyway. He loves you with perfect love. And he can Folks, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ is alive and well. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He rose from the dead. He is the resurrected Savior. And because of his resurrection and because of the fact that he lives, we have hope. And he can turn the God who knows me by name. He can turn our weeping into joy. She cries out, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. Jesus said, there touch me not. I'm not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren. Say unto them, I ascended to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, at this very moment, the Bible says that Mary had great joy. Folks, when we encounter the resurrected Savior, God has the ability to turn our tears into joy. Your heart's broken this morning. I want to encourage you to try Jesus. You're full of sorrow this morning. Tears. and Try Jesus. He's alive and well. He's praying for you. He cares for you. He loves you. You can trust him. The resurrected Savior turns tears to joy. Number two, the ten disciples. At this moment, there's ten. The ten disciples. We meet the disciples again here in verse 19. The disciples, uh, just a little while ago, they were pretty bold, right? That they were in the upper room and they were fussing with each other who, were, who would be the greatest. And they were, uh, they were having a little squall. And Peter, man, he was uh, bold as a lion, but not a good lion. Cuts off Malchus's ear. Talks back to Jesus, that Peter. All the disciples in some form or fashion have denied Christ during his trial and crucifixion. And now they're scared to death. And they're piled up in some room with the door closed. The Bible says, here's their demeanor. Verse 19, the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Came Jesus and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Fear. Fear is something that the devil wants to use. Now, God gave us a healthy fear of certain things. 
There's a not sinful fear. The, the kind that says, don't jump off of that. That fear, God gave it to you. Don't jump off of that. The, the kind of fear that when you walk up to and see a snake, down deep in your soul you think, I'm not touching that. That fear, it's good. It's good. Fear, God gave us a healthy fear. But fear is something that God uses and intends to use to protect you, but it's just like the devil. Every good thing that God has given us, the devil wants to use it in some form or fashion to put you into bondage. And fear is one of those things. Oh, fear is something that does a lot of damage in our lives. First of all, there's lots of people who think that somehow they can so secure and so protect themselves that they don't have to fear. Well, that's not true. If you really think about how out of control everything on this planet really is, it can get really scary fast, right? I mean, as we speak, there are airplanes in the sky as big as this auditorium almost that at any given moment they could just fall and crash and kill us all. Hope you're encouraged. God bless you. You could find your little safe place, but you're not safe from that. Sometimes we are trying to protect ourselves from the things that we can't that we can see. But then there's this thing called microbiology, and there's little things flying around in the air that you can't see. They can make you sick. When we begin to think about how out of control we really are, even in the moments and in the situation, the places where we feel the safest, we have to acknowledge this wonderful, wonderful truth. The Bible says safety is of the Lord. The only place that there's any true safety is in the Lord and in trusting the Lord. And God doesn't want us to spend our lives fearful of what might happen, fearful of whatever it is that in your fear tortures you or paralyzes you or prevents you from doing what is right because you're afraid of what might happen. Now the disciples, man, they were like, what do we do? They'd grown up in the Jews' religion, and it was clear that the vast majority of the Jews didn't want anything to do with anybody that had ever followed Jesus, but now Jesus is dead. And so they do what we do sometimes. They found other people that were scared just like them. They locked themselves in a room. And praise the Lord, the resurrected Savior came to their aid. It's an interesting thought here. The Bible says in verse number 19, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst. Now Jesus, he passed right through the door. <laughs> he walked right into their midst. And he says to them, peace be unto you. Now, I don't want you to get some spooky idea about Jesus passing through the door, but I do think there's a beautiful lesson in it. Sometimes we close the door in fear 
But I'll have you know something. God in love coming is coming. And he comes to our aid. He comes to encourage us and to help us. And if you've closed your heart off to the helpfulness of the resurrected Christ, I want to remind you of something. That God, because he's alive forevermore, can turn your fear into courage. They were afraid. The Bible says, for fear of the Jews, Jesus stood in the midst. Then they were there for fear of the Jews. And Jesus stood in the midst and says to them, Peace be unto you. Verse 20. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad. I've circled the word fear and I've circled the word glad. And just like that, an encounter with Jesus turned their fear into gladness. God will turn your fear into courage. What happens? Who does God use to start the New Testament church? Who does God use to preach boldly all over the literal world? In the next few months and years, these scaredy cats behind closed doors, the disciples, God uses them. And I want you to know something. God turns our fear into courage when we put our trust in him. The disciples, the resurrected Christ made a difference. The third one, and our last point, Thomas. Meet Thomas with me. Look the Bible says in verse 24. Everybody was on board except for Thomas. Thomas wasn't there when the other disciples saw him in that upper room or in the room with the closed door. And the Bible says in verse 24, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with him. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. Now, I love this little thing here that happens. Thomas, full of doubt. He's told the disciples. And by the way, God is all present. He knew exactly what was on Thomas's heart. Thomas had told the disciples. He said, look, I'll just tell you something. You can tell me that you've seen him all you want. But until I've put my hands in his side and seen the nails in his hands, until I've seen it for myself and touched it, I won't believe. Now I want you to see what Jesus does. As soon as Jesus comes into that room once again, what's the first two things that Jesus does? He does not taunt Thomas. He helps Thomas in the very spot that he needs help. He comes in that room, and the first thing Jesus says to Thomas, he says, Thomas, Reach hither thy finger. Behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. I'm so encouraged by the Spirit of Christ. Now, I'll just tell you something. You have an area in which you have doubts. If you'll give that to the Lord, I'll just have you know something. God will show you himself. God will speak to you. God will help you with the very thing that you have the doubts with. I love the patience of Christ as he comes in the presence of Thomas. There's Thomas 
And Thomas has already said, I'm not going to believe until I see the side and the hands. And Jesus in compassion says, here you go, bud. I want you to see it. There it is. Come see. And believe. I, I'm thankful. You see, I need the Lord to encourage me. I need the Lord to, to teach me. I need the Lord to prove himself. And he does. And he will. And he's patient. And just like Thomas, I'll have you know, if you'll begin to love and trust and study and know the resurrected Savior, Jesus will prove himself. I look over the crowd and I know of a number of stories where God has proved himself. Where God has literally used his word, answered doubts and fears, and even on some, some instances, it's how folks came to faith in Jesus. I said, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't get this. Help me. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth all men liberal, and upbraideth not. And God literally answered their prayers. Spoke to them, helped them. He's faithful like that. And because Jesus is alive, because Jesus is risen from the dead, he will turn our doubt to faith. Oh, I love how it happens here in verse 27. Jesus says to him, Thomas, reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believe. Believe it. Verse 28, and Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Oh, isn't that beautiful? You know, we need to let Jesus be our Lord. I, if he's our Lord, that means we're his servant. He says, My Lord and my God. Jesus is not only our Lord, but he is our God. He's our authority. He's our creator. And Thomas declared his faith because the resurrected Christ turns doubt to faith. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. I don't know what you're dealing with right now, but I'm confident of this very thing, that God is more than able through the power of the resurrection to meet your need. The resurrection change, changes tears to joy, fear to courage, doubt to faith. There's a story you may have heard it from me. I've told it on numerous occasions, but I love telling it. It's a beautiful picture of what happened on the cross. It was a Sunday morning in 1815. There was a battle going on between Napoleon and Wellington. Wellington was fighting for the UK and Napoleon was a conqueror. And All over the United Kingdom there was great fear and concern because the outcome of the Battle of Waterloo would determine the independence of so much of Europe people with great fear because Napoleon had done great damage and the battle was raging and at this time there was a, a method to send a message across the air with lights. The battle had been fought and won that day 
by Wellington. Napoleon had been defeated. But the message on the way got intercepted, got messed up in the fog. And the message that spread over Europe that day was Wellington defeated. Oh, as soon as the message was heard, Wellington defeated. There was mourning and fear and anxiety and trouble. And in just a little while, the fog lifted and the message was sent again, but this time in full. And the message declared, Wellington defeated Napoleon. And all of a sudden, just like that, when the message was complete, the spirit, the demeanor, the hope was all changed. There was a day when Jesus died on the cross. It's a fact of history. Christ died. But I want you to know something. Three days later, he arose. And we are a victorious people, a hopeful people. Because Jesus is alive. The resurrection, oh, it changes everything. And if you'll put your trust in Christ, you'll find the resurrection power of Jesus will help you in every area. God is faithful.